0: Thanks so much girls, and thank you so much Drama Club and our readers today, um, these kids really really love Narnia, <laughs> it's amazing, um, I spoiler alert, I'm probably one of the biggest book nerds you will ever meet, I read more books probably than, than, than most people in the world and it is probably healthy, <laughs> so um, I just love Narnia, I remember reading the books for the first time and just being so captured by the story, and today we are going to go on an adventure, We are going to travel from Willowfield and we're going to go through the wardrobe the whole way to Narnia. But the problem is, we have an enemy in the background. I'm going to show you a picture, okay? This is her. Okay, She's the white witch. And I heard a rumor that she's not happy about us all traveling to Narnia today. So she's going to maybe pop around behind me but I need to make sure that I know that she's there. So um, if you see her behind me, could you guys just go, she's behind you, like a pantomime. You know what time of year it is. Can we practice that? Okay, so hang on. Do, 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 do. Charlene's talking, Charlene's talking. ba behind you. She's behind you. Okay, I heard the drama club going, but come on, adults, we can do this, okay? Don't be shy. This is church. This is a safe place. You ready for this? Okay. Do, 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 do. Narnia, Narnia, Narnia. Perfect. I love it. So whenever you see her, please tell me. Okay. Okay. Right. So the first thing that we're going to do today is that we're going to go through our wardrobe. Now imagine we open the doors. They're old and they're creaky. They're oak and they're hundreds of years old. Then you go through the cupboard and you see the fur coats, you feel the texture, it feels so strange and rich and peculiar, but you climb through, all the coats are moving behind you, it's all very odd as your ground suddenly becomes like snow, it's crisp, you hear that oomph noise that you make when you stand on snow, it's cold. You look around you and you see the trees. Every single branch of every single tree is covered in snow. It's so cold. You're so glad you grabbed one of those fur coats before you came out because it is Baltic here. And it's icy. It's barren. It's desolate. This is Narnia. There's no hope here. You see, a hundred years ago, a queen, who called herself a queen when she was a witch, She took power and she wasn't meant to have power. And whenever she did that, she brought winter to Narnia. It is always, always winter in Narnia and it's never Christmas. There's never hope. All we know is that if you stand against her, she will turn you to stone. She will put you in her palace as an emblem of a rebel so that other people won't stand up against her. And she hunts you down. She finds you, she's mean and she is cruel and she is devious and she's after you in this desolate, cold, miserable world that we're in. But there's hope. We've heard a rumor. We've heard a rumor that the king is on the way, the rightful king. His name is Aslan and he is on the move. And we know that when Aslan comes, All of the things that are bad in this world, they will be destroyed. The grip that this witch has had on Arnea for so long, it will be gone. Because when Aslan comes, all of the wrongs in this world will be made right. Our story, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, starts with four siblings. We've got four very distinct characters. We've got Lucy. She's the youngest. She's the adventurous one. She's the first one through the wardrobe and first one into Narnia. She's good and she's kind and she's sweet. She is a good friend and it's her friendship that helps set things in motion to help free Nornia because whenever Mr. Tumnus meets her, he tries to kidnap her, but he realises that he can't because she's so good. Then we've got Susan. So these kids are away from their family, they're feeling a little bit nervous, so Susan as the eldest girl, she's kind of like the motherly figure, she looks out for her her younger siblings. She's very refined, very dignified, she loves beautiful things and she's just a very sweet girl. We've got Peter, he's the oldest, he's, if we were in Harry Potter he would be a Gryffindor, you know, he's brave, heroic, charges into battle, he's chivalrous, he is good, he is the hero of the story in terms of the kids. And then we've got Edmund. Edmund's a wee rat. (laughs) He's a bit of a plonker. Edmund does a lot of really stupid things. Um, He's devious. He's manipulative. He tells lies. He picks on poor Lucy. He is the wee meanie of the bunch. He's a bit of a bad egg. And he's also my favourite character. I love a bit of Edmund. I don't know what it is. I always cheer for the bad guys and everything. I'm probably the only person to support um, Darth Vader in in Star Wars, but um, I just love the bad guys. I love them because I can relate so much more to a character like Edmund than I can to a character like Peter. Edmund makes so many mistakes. He muses his emotions to hurt people around him. His resentment towards his family, that is enough to channel and fuel so much negativity and so many bad decisions in his life. So Edmund goes through the wardrobe. He meets the white witch and she knows, she's heard a rumor that if four children, two sons of Adam and two sons of Eve come into Narnia, then that signals the end of her power. So she's been looking out for them. And when she meets one of them and hears that he has three siblings, she knows that she needs to act. So she's devious. She's manipulative. She's very sweet to him. She's very kind to him. She says that if he brings his siblings to her, he will, she will make him, like the, the, in charge of them, he will be a prince, he will have power, and she will also give him all the Turkish delight he can eat. Yum, right? Did you have any Turkish delight when you came in this morning? It was the good stuff. It's not the bad Turkish delight. But what Edmund does is something so silly. He sells out his family. He decides that he is going to betray his family. He will be a traitor to the people that love him. He is a total plunker. And all for what? Turkish delight? Now, the stuff that we have is okay, but real Turkish delight, it's stinking. It's stinking. Like it is, you wouldn't give it to anybody, it's rotten. And I always read the books thinking, why Turkish delight? Of all of the things you could be tempted with, why would you pick Turkish delight? And then you sort of feel, come on Edmund, if it was me in that situation, Turkish delight, you couldn't get me with Turkish delight. But if the white queen met me, if the white witch saw me, she could probably get me with something. Guilt trip coffee and donuts, like pretty much, I'm solidly going to betray my entire family for that, (laughs) right? Yeah, hopefully not. (laughs) They're not here today, so don't tell them I said that. And we all have things in our lives, it might not be food, but it might be power, influence, relationships, your future, your finances, there's always something that can be used to tempt you to go against your best nature. We know that C.S. Lewis was a Christian, and we know that his faith was very influential in how he wrote and constructed the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardow. This is um, a Bible verse um, from James 1 that tells us that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Isn't this just Edmund? Edmund's resentment of his family, his feeling like he's the inferior child, his bitterness towards his brother, his um, bullying of his little sister, all of these things have all built up. And when he is offered something that he wants, well, it leads to action. It leads to actions that will hurt the people around him the most. And that's what happens. That's what happens in the story of Edmund. He betrays those he cares about for something so stupid. Good spot, thanks guys. Back off, queen. Oh, too fast, too fast. Okay. (laughs) So the next thing in our story is that we meet Aslan. Now the book is called The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. In the title, you've got a lion, you've got a witch, and you've got a wardrobe. So in the first chapter, you meet the wardrobe. Um, And then in the sort of second or so chapter, maybe you meet the witch. And then you just hear rumors of this lion the whole way through the book, it actually is about chapter 18 or 19, like 70% through the book you actually meet Aslan for the first time. But through the book you hear stories, you hear the name of Aslan being spoken, and all of the characters have different reactions to hearing the name of Aslan. So Edmund feels the sense of dread and worry because he knows that he's done something wrong. Peter feels heroic and brave because that's who Peter is. Susan smells a delicious smell and Lucy feels like that first day of hot summer holiday feeling which I love by the way as well. The name of Aslan inspires something deep within each person and just like the name of Aslan does that in the books the name of Jesus does that to us as well. When I wasn't a Christian I'd heard the name of Jesus. Of course everyone's heard of Jesus in these parts but it didn't mean anything to me it was just nothing to me until I met him myself. And I felt the awe, the mystery, the inspiration, the power and the majesty of Jesus whenever I met him for myself. So that's what happens next in the story and I'm gonna show you a clip of this part. We
1: have come to see Aslan.
0: Welcome, Peter, son of Adam. Welcome, Susan and Lucy, daughters of Eve. And welcome to you, Beavers. You have my thanks. But where is the fourth?
1: That's why we're here, sir. We need your help.
0: We have little trouble along the way.
1: Our brother's been captured by the White Witch.
0: Captured? How could this happen?
1: He betrayed them, your majesty. Then he has betrayed us all.
0: Peace, Aureus. I'm sure there's an explanation.
1: It's my fault, really. That was too hard on him.
0: We all were. Sir, he's a brother. I know, dear one. But that only makes the betrayal all the worse. This may be harder than you think. So Lucy and Susan and Peter go to meet Aslan. And this character that has been built up for them throughout the book becomes real. And you can see all the other animals, they bow down. They are in awe by the presence of Aslan, the presence of goodness of justice, of mercy and grace and power. It is an incredible moment and you get goosebumps every time. Also amazing casting, Liam Neeson is the voice of Aslan. Like that was solid. Somebody deserves an Oscar for that. It is a powerful moment that changes everything for the rest of the characters. And then Aslan sends people and they rescue Edmund. They bring him back to the camp. And you have this beautiful scene that's described in the book. And in this scene, what happens is that Edmund and Aslan go off and have this conversation away from everyone else. The words actually tell us that no one ever heard what went on between them. But whenever the conversation was over, Aslan and Edmund came back and Aslan said, there is no need to talk to him about what is past. Isn't that just the message of the Bible? Isn't that just the goodness of God? That no matter what you have done, no matter if you have done something as terrible as Edmund, is betray your, fr- your family for a piece of Turkish delight and some power, no matter what you have done, you can always say sorry and repent. You can always say sorry and come back. And Jesus um, and Aslan in this story will forgive you. <laughs> ah, back off, right? Thanks, guys. I'm taking her on today, no bother. The next part means that the witch, as you just saw, came into the camp and she's not happy because she knows the law in Narnia says that if somebody is a traitor, she has to kill them. And that is the law as she understands it. But the thing that changed and the thing that that made things special at this point is that Edmund had got past thinking about himself he knew, no longer cared about his own popularity, no longer cared about his own desires and needs for Turkish delights, And the only thing that he did was focus on Aslan. And when people remind us of our past sins, and people remind us of the things that, that we know that we have done wrong and that we have repented and said sorry for, if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we know the truth that we have been forgiven. And the rest of the story, and I'm sure there's about a million sermons that can be preached about Aslan and and how he sacrifices himself for Edmund and then comes back, but this part of the story is the bit that gets me. The guy that was lost, the guy that did something so rubbish and so terrible, that he was forgiven so much. At the end, they crown all of the kids with their different titles, so Peter is King Peter the Magnificent, of course he is. Then you've got Queen Susan the the Gentle and um, Queen Lucy the Valiant, which means brave. But Edmund's title is King Edmund the Just. And I think that is a beautiful message that we can learn about grace and the beauty of it. Because after he knew he had done something wrong and after he had said sorry for it, he then stood up as being someone who stood up for those who were being wrongfully accused. He was just, he was fair, he was a good king and people went to him for wise advice because he knew because they knew that he had gone through this experience That's grace. The people who are forgiven much, they forgive a lot. And the people who are loved a lot, they have to love a lot. As Christians, we have to do this because we know how much we've been forgiven and we know how much we are loved. So C.S. Lewis was very obvious about how we were to interpret the character of Aslan. He was to be a representation of Jesus in Narnia. And one of the quotes that Aslan says is that you must learn to know me by that name. This was the very reason why you were brought here to Narnia, that by knowing me here for a little, you may know me better there. And the kids encounter with Aslan, that changed them, that changed the trajectory of their lives. They had to keep coming back to Narnia and there was all sorts of stuff that happened as well. But they had to know him not only in Narnia, but in the world that we live in. And we know that in the Old Testament, we know that God um, is described as a lion. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the West. And then in the New Testament, as we actually sung about today, good song choice. Um, The Lion of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. In the Bible, Jesus is described as the Lion of Judah, and that he roars with power. And as Christians, we have the same access to him, and he fights our battles. He comes from a place of victory, so we can never, ever be defeated by the White Witch in our world. Oh, too fast, sorry. (laughs) Um, I've got another video, so if You just follow along with the story. We're talking about Edmund and his betrayal. So I have a story that I'd like to share about um, a character in the Bible. All kinds of people
1: would come to hear Jesus speak, including tax collectors and people who made bad choices. This made the Pharisees and Jewish leaders mad. Uh, They didn't think that Jesus should be around these kind of people. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father. Um, excuse me? I want my share of your estate now, before you die. Okay. So his father agreed and gave his son his inheritance. A whoop! A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings. See ya. And moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Huh? About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. Oh man. And he began to starve. Hey, you! He convinced a local farmer to hire him. Thank And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the food he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Finally, he said to himself, At home, even the servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I know. I will go home to my father and apologize and ask him to take me on as a servant. So he returned home to his father. and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Sir! His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began.
0: That's one of my favorite stories of the Bible. I was felt to be a bit like a prodigal myself because I spent quite a lot of time partying and having a good time and and feeling a wee bit lost and feeling a wee bit on my own. And then I was able to come back to Jesus, to come back to my father um, and just feel that love again. And this story, um, it's, it's a beautiful story of grace. I could tell it a million different times and every single time I would take something different. And um, Just because it is so touching, it is so powerful to hear that no matter what you have done in your life, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter the betrayals that you have committed, like Edmund did in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, no matter what you have done, you can always come back home. That's a beautiful message. I'm sorry, I just absolutely love it to bits because it tells me that no matter what's going on, my dad will always love me and that he will always accept me. Um, The Bible as well, it also tells us that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you know Jesus, nothing, nothing in the whole world, not height nor depth, no nothing, can separate you from the love of Jesus. And that is something that you need to take away with you, that whenever you are fighting these battles and facing temptations, whenever you're, you're maybe struggling to just process the goodness of God, that nothing nothing in this entire world will ever be able to separate you from that love in the, the land the witch and the wardrobe in the world of Narnia we see a battle like a real obvious battle between good and evil you see Aslan who's, who's a lion and he's majestic and powerful and you see the white witch who's cold deceitful and horrible well do you know what we have a battle ourselves as well it might not look as obvious as this. We're not walking down the Woodstock Road and saying, we lie in danderdown? But what we are doing is that we are fighting a battle. Not a quite a visual battle, but a battle for our souls, our minds, our country, for all of this world that we live in. A battle between good and evil. And imagine if you were in Narnia, and then one day you decided that you were going to fight on Team Aslan. And the next day you decided, do you know what? I'm actually just going to be on the White Queen's side today because it's a wee bit hard fighting for Aslan. We know that it is hard. We know that the battle is tough. We know that some days you just feel like you've been hitting and, and you're turning to stone yourself. But we also know that if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, the victory comes in the end. So choose for yourself. Choose, if you're going to fight for Aslan, fight every day not just on a Sunday when you're here and even the people that didn't pick to fight they still got turned into stone by the white witch she still picked on them anyway so choose a side choose to fight um, I'm just going to ask if our lovely worship team could come back up for us um, thank you so much guys and just as a wee reminder we have the books at the back so you pop your name down and we'll bring you a copy our lovely friends at the Bookwell are just absolutely amazing so you put your name down and then next week you can take them home with you and also we have some colouring in pages back there so if you're a kid what you can do is colour in the page bring it back to us next week and you will get a prize if you bring it back at four o'clock for the family advent service you will get a prize and an advent calendar full of chocolate just then if it was me I would be going for two prizes instead of one Um, so please remember to do that and I'm just going to pray for everybody before I sit down so father we thank you so much that you are a good good father and that you love us with an unfailing wonderful love God we thank you for your son Jesus we thank you that you have sent him to die for us and that he takes our sins away father nothing can separate us from your love not one thing in this entire world and Lord, we're sorry when we, when we feel like we're losing our strength for the battle. Lord, fill us again. Revitalize, revitalize us, fill us to full, Lord, that we can fight whatever's coming ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.